the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. It's not enough, listen to me, it's not enough just to have this intellectual kind of belief in Jesus Christ. He calls us to follow Him. It's not enough just to make some profession that, you know, I believe in Jesus or I believe that He does. You know, that it affects your life and how you live. The priorities. Ultimately, it affects who is Lord and your life. Who makes the decisions? Faith in Jesus is more than just believing He existed and was who He said He was. When you place your faith in Him, it requires submitting yourself to Him and living in His will. Your actions and attitudes won't instantly be perfect. You'll face temptations and make mistakes. But as Pastor Dan will remind you in today's message, as you follow Christ, you'll undergo a process of refinement as you allow Him to bring light into those dark areas in order to remove them and bring you freedom. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 12 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. talks about two things. He's teaching Philip and Andrew here about his grace. Jesus mentions two things here in his answer. Number one, his death on the cross. And number two, following him as his disciple. His death on the cross and following him as his disciple. In verse 23, Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Jesus describes his death here using this illustration of a grain of wheat falling into the ground and dying, and it it produces much fruit. If you've ever done any gardening, you've planted a seed. You plant that one seed in the ground, you bury it in the ground, and it produces much life. Much, Much fruit comes from that one Seed And the principle is this, the death of Jesus Christ produces much life. From his death comes new life for many, including Gentiles, as we're going to see. Anyone, anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection can, can receive eternal life. And now in verse 25, Jesus describes what is required to be a disciple. And watch what he says here. He says, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it 
for eternal life. So he's, he's making a contrast here of two types of people. Those who love their life in this world, they live for themselves, and those who live for God, or those who live for Jesus Christ. The person who loves his life in this world, who lives for himself, who does what he wants or she wants, and what he desires or she desires, that person ultimately will lose his life in eternity. But the person who, who hates his life in contrast, and, and here he's, he's just trying to make a, a very distinct contrast here when he says hates, and he uses that word. The idea is this, this person cares nothing for his own life, nothing for his own will, nothing for his own wants. Instead, this person lives for God, lives to do God's will. This person will have eternal life. He's talking about being a disciple here. You know, it, it, it's, it's not enough, listen to me, it's not enough just to have this intellectual kind of belief in Jesus Christ. He calls us to follow Him. It's not enough just to make some profession that, you know, I believe in Jesus, or I believe that He does. You know, that it affects your life and how you live. Your priorities. Ultimately, it affects who is Lord. In your life, who makes the decisions? Who's in charge? Now, Jesus said the same thing several different ways during his ministry, and I just want to share a couple with you. You don't have to turn there, these might be familiar verses for you. Um, the first one's Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. Jesus there says, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who loses his life. For my sake, he who surrenders his life to Jesus Christ actually finds his life. Isn't that true? You've discovered that if you're a believer. Once you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, then you truly find your life. Then you really find your meaning and you find your purpose in life. It, 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 it seems uh, like an like a oxymoron or something. You know, It just doesn't make sense. Once I give up my life and give up control to Jesus, then I finally find what life is all about. But if I try to hold on to control in my life, ultimately I lose my life. Another verse uh, in Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, so now he's talking about discipleship again, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, be my disciple, here's what he needs to do. He must deny himself. It's not self-denial. Denying self. Denying me, who I am. And just in case we're confused by what he's saying, he says, and you have to take up your cross Daily to follow me. The cross was an instrument of execution. And we're told every day to take up our cross. Now in the ancient world, if you saw someone carrying a cross through the streets of Jerusalem, that was a person who had a death sentence. They were going on their way to die. They were not a person who had any kind of control over their life. They had lost that. Their life now was controlled by the Roman government. Uh, they, they weren't making decisions anymore 
for their own life. Uh, they were on their way to die. They could not do their own thing. They could not go wherever they wanted or do whatever they wanted. That, 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 that was over. Their life belonged now to the Roman Empire. And here Jesus is saying, if anyone wants to come after me, you've got to take up your cross every day. You've got to put self to death every day where your life is no longer your own, and no longer belongs to you, you're no longer making those decisions. You're no longer just doing whatever you want and living however you want. Surrender all of that to Jesus. And now Jesus makes those decisions for us. And we're just submitted to, to him and his authority. I can think of two, two people in the New Testament that, that illustrate verse 25. This whole idea here of he who loves his life will lose it and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. First of all, you have the rich young ruler. Remember him, rich young ruler? He came to Jesus and he said, what, what must I do to have eternal life? And what did Jesus ultimately say to him? Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. And it says the rich man went away sad because he had much possessions. And really those possessions had him. And he wasn't willing to surrender them. He wasn't willing to give them up for Jesus. He loved his life in this world too much to the point that he wasn't willing to give up his life and his control in this world to follow Jesus. He who loves his life will lose it. The second example would be the Apostle Paul. Paul is someone who cared nothing for his life in this world. In Acts chapter 20, for example... Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. He knows that in Jerusalem uh, he's going to be arrested and, and he's going to die ultimately. Uh, he's, his death is certain. Uh, his friends begged him not to go to Jerusalem, spare his life. And this is, what Paul, this is how Paul responded. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He said, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul said, my, my life is worth nothing to me. I don't care if I die. Because my life is worth nothing to me. My, my only aim is to complete the task that the Lord Jesus Christ has given me. And so to be a disciple means to surrender control of your life to Jesus Christ. You you. you you, you hand over your life to Him. And now He makes decisions. He makes all the choices. He's the Lord. He's the Master. It's way much more than just an intellectual belief that Jesus died on the cross for me, was buried and was resurrected. The demons believe that, that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and resurrected. What's different between you and a demon? The difference is we've surrendered our life to Jesus Christ. We've handed over control to Him. That's what the whole word Lord means. Jesus is my Lord. He's my Master. I'm His servant. He has control. He makes the decisions. I don't. So, now, verse 26. He goes on. Look at this promise in verse 26. If anyone serves me. So if you do this, if you're a disciple... Let him follow me. Jesus 
You know, when it talks about following Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus, uh, it, you know, it means to walk the way that Jesus walked, to do what Jesus did. Jesus submitted his life to the will of the Father, right? So he's not asking us to do something that he himself didn't do. He also was submitted to the Father. He's asking us to submit our life to him and submit control to him. He submitted his life to the will of the Father. And here's the promise. Where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. It's quite a promise. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Verse 27, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus was troubled by the cross. Remember, this is his last week. He's only a few days away, four days away from the cross. He's troubled in his soul. He's troubled because he knows what's coming. He knows what the cross will entail. He knows that when he's on the cross, that the sins of the world, your sins and my sins, will be put upon him and he'll be punished for the sins of the world as a substitute. In our place, He'll take our punishment. He knows that when He's on the cross, the Father will abandon Him. The Father will turn His back on Him and forsake Him on the cross. He's troubled by that. John's Gospel doesn't record uh, his prayer in Gethsemane, the night of his arrest. Remember in Gethsemane, he's sweating drops of blood at the thought of going to the cross. He's troubled. He's troubled in his spirit and his soul. And now look how he responds, though. This is important. This is an important example for us. He could say, Father, save me from this hour. He could say that. Father, deliver me. Father, save me from the cross. But instead, he prays, Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. When you and I face a trial, when you and I face trouble, if we're honest, our tendency is usually to pray, Father, deliver me from this hour, right? Get me out of this, right? Help, heal me, save me, deliver me, whatever. Like, get me out of this thing. I don't want to go through this. But like Jesus, we should pray, Father, glorify your name. Father, Father, do what's going to bring the greatest glory to you. And maybe that's delivering me out of this trial, but maybe that's just uh, enabling me to go through the trial. And that's going to bring you the greater glory. Father, do whatever is going to bring you the greater glory. In this. That's a hard prayer to pray. But that's Jesus' prayer here. You know, in Psalm 18, David says, and, and it's very well known verses here, he says, speaking of God, he says, He makes my feet like the feet of deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. 
He makes my feet like the feet of deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. And David, if you know his story at that point when he writes that psalm, he's on the run from Saul. Uh, he's hiding in the mountains in the caves of Engedi. David's got a mountain of trouble that he's facing. And in David's life, listen, David was on the run from Saul for 10 years before God finally delivered him. God, God did not remove the mountain for David. God did not give David, you know, smooth, flat, easy path. Instead, what God did is God enabled David to go over the mountain, right? He gave them feet like the feet of deer, enabling him to stand on the mountain heights. God enabled David to stand on top of the mountain because that brought greater glory to God than making David's life easy and smooth. And sometimes instead of delivering us from the trouble, he enables us to just walk over the trouble. He gives us feet like deer because that brings greater glory to him. And that's what it's all about, bringing glory to the Father. So Jesus says this, verse 28, then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it Again, this is the, by the way, this is the third time that God has spoken from heaven audibly uh, during the ministry of Jesus. You guys remember the other two? His baptism and at his transfiguration, Matthew 17, God spoke from heaven audibly like this. And it says in verse 29, therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said, it has thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. In verses 31 and 32, Jesus uh, gives us three effects of his death on the cross. Three effects of his death on the cross. First of all, he says, Now is the judgment of this world. So first of all, the world is judged by the cross. The world is judged by the cross. God came into the world and man crucified God. God came to the world to reveal himself to the world and man responded by killing him, crucifying. And the world is judged by the cross. By rejecting Jesus Christ, the world rejected the free gift of salvation, the free gift of forgiveness of sins, the free gift of eternal life that he came to offer. When the world put Jesus on the cross, the world was signing its own death sentence in a way. When a person rejects Jesus Christ, they reject God's only solution for our sin and God's only solution for death. And so the world is judged by the cross. You know, when we were in, um, when we were in Jerusalem, our group went to the very place where Pontius Pilate condemned Jesus for the sins of the world. And there's the stairs are there, the platform, the judgment seat is still there. And, and we went there. But in Jerusalem, they had a, uh, like this summer festival going on. And so in the very place where Jesus was condemned by Pontius Pilate for the sins of the world, they had speakers set up, they had lights set up, they were doing this light show there at night. They had all these cables running across. They had, light. they had lights on the judgment seat. On the very judgment seat where Pontius Pilate handed down 
the death sentence to Jesus. Speakers, man doesn't care. Man has rejected Jesus Christ. And the, and the cross, the cross is the judgment of the world. The world is judged by the cross. Look at verse 31 again. Second half of verse 31. It says, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. The ruler of this world is Satan. The cross defeats Satan. You know, he, you know it's, we we're told that Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But the cross ultimately defeats Satan. And we're told in Revelation that Satan one day will be cast into the lake of fire. The third effect, which is the most important here, the third effect of the cross is found in verse 32. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. Through the cross, through the crucifixion of Jesus, all the world can be saved. The cross makes a way for all people now to come to God and receive the forgiveness of all of our sins and receive eternal life. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, there is no way. There is no way. But through his death on the cross, all can come to God through him. Verse 32 answers the question that Philip and Andrew asked of Jesus. What about these Gentiles? What about these Greeks? Can they come to Jesus? And the answer is yes. When he is lifted up from the earth on the cross, he will draw all people to himself. All people, not just the Jewish people, but Gentiles as well. All people, we're all equal before the cross of Christ. We're all sinners in need of a Savior equally. And that salvation comes for all people through the cross. The people, verse 34, answered him, but well, we've heard from the law that Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? They, they didn't understand the resurrection. Yes, he would die, but he would not stay dead. The third day he would rise again. And then Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Darkness overtakes you. Less, I'm sorry. A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtakes you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Jesus here gives them an invitation to believe. To believe in him and receive eternal life. And Jesus is still giving that invitation to people even today. And I want you to see here too that he gives this invitation. And then it says at the end of verse 36, he spoke these things and then he departed. And was hidden from them. He didn't beg with them. He didn't plead with them. He didn't try to persuade them. He just offers it. Here's the offer that Jesus makes. Give me, just give me your attention and we'll finish up. He offers you the forgiveness of your sins, no matter what you've done. He offers to reconcile you to God, and he offers to give you eternal life. If you put your faith and trust in him and his death on the cross for you and his resurrection. And he just puts that out there, and then he leaves. And then it's up to each person individually to make the decision. Do I want my sins forgiven? Do I want to be set free from the shame and the burden? the condemnation that I feel? Do I want to be reconciled to God? Do I want eternal life? And then each person individually makes that decision to accept Christ or not. He asked me how I know
The book of 1 John invites followers of Jesus into a consistently growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Christian walk isn't meant to stagnate, no matter how long you've been pursuing your relationship. There's always more to discover about your Almighty Creator, and more ways in which He can refine your heart. As you've done already today by joining Pastor Dan for Ring of Truth, we encourage you to continue spending time in the Word regularly. We also urge you to make conversation with God a regular part of your routine as well, praying and listening to what your Heavenly Father wants to say to you. And know that here at Ring of Truth, we're also praying for you. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd like to invite you to visit us here at Calvary Chapel. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, come worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. Or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on Ring of Truth.